Hashem is Baruch. We begin new Masechta in the Seder Noshim, Masechas Nedorim. Just as a uh, brief introduction to Masechas Nedorim, a couple of uh, interesting facts. When we learn this Masechta, Chazal used the expression is that Loshin Nedorim is Meshuna, that the verbiage and even the style of the Gemara, when we learn Nadarim is Meshuna, is somewhat deviates from the norm. And the Me'iri, concerning a number of Masechtas, says the following, which is that the, were certain Masechtas that, starting with the uh, Yeshivas in Bavel and moving forward, were more common, commonly learned. They focused more on, Nash, on, on certain Masechas in Nashim, certain Masechas in Azikin. But there were certain Masechas that were not viewed as pertinent in terms of the times they lived in and did not get as much attention and therefore were not edited as well. And therefore we find that there are, uh, first of all, uh, question many different times of Gersol's changes uh, in the Masechtis. We'll see that uh, predominantly in Kotshin. And uh, also, just in terms of the, the certain style and verbiage, seems to be a little different than the norm. Another very uh, important fact, especially when we learn Dafyomi, is that Rov of the Rishonim and the Chidoah goes into great lengths proving it, uh, the, it hold that the Rashi that we have on the page in Nadorim is not actually Rashi. It's referred to as Amphorish, clearly was a Rishon, and, but it is not Rashi. And, uh, and because of that, most uh, people that learn Nadorim, even in, in the Dafyomi format, rely more on the commentary that's on the other side of the page which is the Ran. Usually follow Rashi, but this isn't Rashi. And therefore, when you learn the Dorim, they follow the Ran. Now, if you take a look, there are the Ran's commentaries, a huge commentary, a running commentary on the Daf, but he also gets into, does both the Rashi and Tosa's job. One is the running commentary on the Daf, but also then shows and reconciles different uh, uh, aspects from different Masechtis, and explains more in depth certain concepts. So we will try and stay more uh, with the interpretation of the Ran wherever possible. Sometimes it'll make it a little difficult because, as, in, in, as it, uh, unlike in other Masechtas where Rashi is the predominant commentary on the page, and actually the editing that is done by uh, the, the Bach and, 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 and the um, the, the other, the other commentary, commentaries on the page that edit, aligning usually with the Shita of Rashi, in this case, they don't do that with the Shita of the Ran, so when we will speak out, we have over here also a different type of Tosvos, and also a Parish of the Rush, which we don't usually have, which are running commentaries on the Daf, and we will lean on these commentaries as well, the commentary of the Baal Tosvos, the commentary of the Rush, where necessary in terms of explaining uh, a, a clear and consistent interpretation for the Gemara that, stick, that stays with the text 
that we have. So that's just in terms of some of the practical uh, textual uh Questions in the Ran also makes it a little difficult because, as we said, the Ran was usually Rashi when they paginated the the Gemara. They stay the Rashi's are on the page for the Gemara that it's discussing. With the Ran, they didn't do that as much, and sometimes you have to turn the page to get the rest of the commentary of the Ran that's from the Amid Aleph. It'll find on the Amid Beis. Makes it a little more complicated. But let's now go to just an introduction about Nadorim itself. And we're going to give the same introduction that we'll find in the Ron. The Ron points out the following. He says that there are two categories that have to be divided when you talk about Nadorim. In Nadorim itself, and each category has their own subcategories, but two primary categories that we have to know. There is something that's known as a as nidre hegdish. Now, nidre hegdish are the uh, is the verbiage that's used when a person obligates himself to bring a carbon. He makes a nether. He makes a vow to bring a carbon. So, and and we are not discussing nidre hegdish when we focus on Masech and Adarim. Nidre Hegdish will be more focused on in Seder Kachim, which deals with the laws of Korbanos. We are dealing with the second category that are known as Nidre Isser. These are prohibitions that result because of the nedr that one makes. Now, there's a huge difference between Nidre Hegdish and Nidre Isser. When a person makes a nedr that consecrates an item, whether it be for the Mizbeach, whether it be for the Bede Kabais, the upkeep of the Mizbeach, a person, first of all, can only do it within items that are in his own jurisdiction, things that he owns. You can only make a nedre hegdish on items that you own. And when you make that nedr, that item becomes hegdish, becomes prohibited from anybody per, uh, partaking, because basically you're now making it in the realm of hegdish, belongs to the hegdish, and therefore anybody uses it misappropriates hegdish. So, nedre hegdish, A, has to be your own item, and B, once it's made, it's also to everybody. Nidre Isser works completely different. Nidre Isser is a, a unique facet that a person has a koach with his dibur, with his speech, that he can make a nether, and whether it be his own item or whether it be somebody else's item, there can be an Isser generated from the item and it can be limited. Now, let me explain what that means. If it's your own item, so you can Isser your own item on yourself, specifically, that I am not going to... My, my apple that I have, my loaf of bread that I have is also to me. That now, that, that loaf of bread becomes also to me. Anybody else that wants to partake, that I allow to partake, is allowed to partake, because that, that loaf of bread didn't become also to them, it became also to me. I can also say that loaf of uh, uh, bread is also to others. And I can identify which others, because if, as long as it's my loaf of bread, I can even answer myself on it, I can answer others, and there can be people that are still permitted. Concerning somebody else's item, there it's much more limiting. I can answer myself, I can answer that person's item to me. So therefore, your loaf of bread, I can make a netter, is also to me, and I am, with a prohibition, a Torah-based prohibition, I will not be allowed to now eat that loaf of bread. 
I cannot answer your loaf of bread on you. I don't have that jurisdiction to say you can't eat your own loaf of bread, but I can answer myself. So, but that's the point is that when it comes to Nidre Hegdish, if it's in my jurisdiction, it becomes also to everybody. If it's Nidre Isser, then it is limited to, first of all, it has to be within my jurisdiction for myself. And your item I can only answer myself on. I cannot answer anybody else on an item that I myself don't own. But it does work if I answer myself on an I to, to partake from an item that is yours. That even though you have the ownership, I can answer. And I can answer you on my item. And I can answer myself on my item as well. So we are dealing now with a second category of what's known as Nidre Isser, those are uh, the prohibitions that uh, evolve from the Nedr that I have made. And now the Ran continues to explain, which is necessary for the introduction to this Mishnah, uh, that there are, within Nidre Isser, there are also three subcategories that have to be explained as well. And what are these three? So he says as follows. He says, number one, you have what's known as the Iker Neder. Iker Neder is the primary Neder. Right? And that is, the, this is the, the Neder in its full form as it is learned in Torah. The person says that this loaf of bread is Asr on me. Right? That Kikarzu Asr Alai. That... Uh, that this loaf of bread is usher on me, let's say, uh, my loaf of bread is usher on me, or your loaf of bread is usher on me. Now, that, and you, that is a, the, the, what's called the primary lotion of neder, and that can itself involve, says the Ran, either way it becomes an ikr neder. I could either say, like a korban, right, and actually attach the neder to something else that pre-exists as usher, or I don't have to say like a carbon. Whether I say like a carbon or not like a carbon, either way, that is considered to be a primary lotion of nether and it is binding. But the difference is that if I do want to attach it to something that is previously, that is already usur, it has to be something that became usur through an act of man. That like a, a carbon, a man made that carbon usur. But if I say that this loaf of bread is usur on me like a piece of chazer, then that bread will not become usur. It's based on exeris akosav, dovar nodur. It has to be specifically that when you attach, you want to make your netter attached to some other pre-existing prohibition, that pre-existing prohibition has to be something that itself was created by man, that not something that already pre-existed in Israel that existed from before. So therefore, again, the difference will be, I can say this carbon, this should be also to me like a carbon. This should be also to me like something else that's also to me with a nether. I can do that, but I cannot say that this is also to me like uh, like a piece of chazer, because chazer, I did not make usr. Chazer already in Har Sinai was considered usr. I don't have the ability to attach. So that's the only difference. You don't have to be matfis. You don't have to attach the nether to a pre-existing isr, but if you're going to do it, it has to be something that itself was usr through the act of man. And this all falls up under the category of ikr nether. Then there's a second category that are known as kinuyim. Now the word kinuyim we actually use as a, a mechanic shame you can make a nickname 
for your friend. You can't call him by anything else than what is his name. So what exactly is a kinoi? The kinoi of a neder, the rhythm of Lokis, Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lokish, what exactly a kinoi is. But we're going to discuss it, that uh, the term of kinoi, we just had uh, the Yomim Rayim, we have Kol Nidre, Yoshvuye, the kinoye, the kinoyim of a neder. What are the kinoyim? So it's one of two things, depending on the machlokas of Yochanan and Lokish. According to one of the Amoroyim, a kinui is a neder in the language, in a different language. It's the usage of a neder. Like one is going to say later on, what's example of a kinui of a neder? So instead of using the word ne- uh, uh, neder, you use the word, uh, uh, you, you say that something should be also to you like a carbon, you said the word uh, konam. Or uh, you use a different form of something that doesn't sound. It sounds like they made it also like a carbon, but it doesn't. The word itself doesn't. It's not the actual word carbon. It's konam or or, or, or a different word. But the the point that is being made over here that that formulation in a different uh, wording is also fully binding, like the nether itself. Now, what exactly it is? It's either again in a different language. According to, it's a Loshan Nochrim, that's Rabbi Yochanan's opinion. And according to Reish Lokish, actually these languages that are used for Kinuyim are words that the Chachamim themselves formulated. Loshan Shabodu Bahem Chachamim, the Chachamim formulated, they did, therefore, we will see the reason they didn't want you using the actual word for the carbon, but they gave a uh, a variation of the word, so it's actually rabbinically formulated words. Again, to, the Ron explains it's still binding Torah, Just what the word that, that are given for kinuyim are those different languages or languages that are formulated by the rabbis. Either way, but that is a kinuy and it's fully binding. And then we're going to see later on the, the next Mishnayos. What are examples of kinuyim? So we have the Iker neder where you use the full lotion and the full lotion of the neder can either be where you attach it to a carbon. You don't attach the carbon, and then you have a kinui is when you're using a formulation of the word, but it doesn't use it in, uh, in let's say the word konam. It uses konam, koneach, kones. These instead of the word carbon. So kikarze uh, like carbon. Instead of saying carbon, you say konam, konach, kones. It is binding. Again, what it is? Is it a different language, or is it a formulation of a word according to the chachamim? That will be discussed in Machlokas of Yogan Shlokish. And the third category is known as a Yad. So we've had Ikerneder, we have a code, we've had uh, a Konam, uh, I'm sorry, we had a Kinui, Kinui of a Neder, and now we're, uh, we're discussing a Yad. A Yad actually, what it sounds like is a handle. It's been, you did not use a full formulation of the ver, of, of the expression of the Neder. You only gave us a handle. You said enough that we can use what you have said to understand you meant the entire language of a neder. You're interni- intending on making a neder. So that's also a binding neder if you use a yad. What exactly is needed for the yad and how much you have to say will all be discussed. But those are three categories. There's the full language of the neder. There is a substitute language for the neder, which is the, 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 kin- the kinui. And we have a yad where you use a partial language for the neder, but you gave us enough to hold on to like a handle, just as a handle can help you pick up the entire vessel. You've given us enough to make the full neder binding. 
And that's the information we need right now for the introduction uh, to uh, learn the upcoming Mishnah. So let's take a look at the Mishnah inside. Today we got Mishnah again. Beginning Maseches and Nedarim Beis Amid Aleph. Today the Mishnah called Kinu Nedarim Kinadarim. All of the Kinuim of Nedarim, the substitute languages for Nedarim, are considered to be binding like regular Dorim. And the same thing is charamim, that if you use a kinoi for the cherem, works like charamim. Now what are charamim? Here too the Ran explains that just as nedr has two categories, there's nedre hegdish and there's nedre isser, a cherem also is a certain binding uh, obligation that goes into two categories. There's charame hegdish, when a person makes a certain obligation himself to give something to the base amigdash, to give something, let's say, to the better kabayas, that he can use a certain formulation. Now he has an obligation to give this item to the base of Megdash. But there's also a verbiage involving haramim where a person creates a nether type of restriction on himself or on others with his own items that work similar to a nether, and that is known as a cherem. But that's also charme isser, as opposed to charme hegdish. And just as you have a lotion of kinui for nedarim, you have a lotion of a kinui that works for charamim. So if you says, nechasim elu alai cherem, that's the full lotion. Then my nechasim on me like a cherem, but you could say cherem, 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 these are substitute shonos. Those are also binding like haramim. Now, third uh, set of items is the shvuos. Shvuos are kashvuos. Means that the kinuyim, the substitute languages of shvuos, will uh, will bind, be binding like a shvua. Now we'll wait for the Ahmed Beis that this is something that's important. It's going to come up over and over again through this Masechta. We sometimes talk about a neder and we sometimes talk about a shvua. Right? Kol nidre, karame or shvua. What's the difference between a neder and a shvua? We will talk about on the Ahmed Beis. But a shvua is also a certain type of uh, verbal uh, uh, a, a requirement that a person makes and a, a restriction that is created through it and if he uses he doesn't use the actual lotion of shvua but he uses a kinoi for, for it shvuka shvuso different languages again exactly what a kinoi is we explained so the use by shvuas it's binding for shvuas and similarly nazirus the last of our Mishnah nazirus there's also a certain restriction that's created. A person says, Hareini Nazir. He makes himself into a Nazir. And he becomes prohibited in the partaking in grape products, in coming in contact with dead bodies, uh, in cutting his hair. And the Kinui, the person uses a substitute lotion when he makes this, uh, this bow, this vow of making himself into a Nazirus. If he uses Naziach, Nazik, different languages, substitute languages, also is considered binding, so the kinui of Nazirus is kinazirus. So that's just the first part of our Mishnah that basically says the concept of kinui applies by Nadarim, by Haramim, by Shvuos, and by Nazirus, that the formula, the, either it's the formulated language of the Chachamim, a new, a new variation of the, the binding Loshan, or it's a different language, neither, whatever it is, it's binding both for, uh, for Nadarim, for Haramim, for Shvuz, and for Nazirus. Now, 
Interestingly enough, and the Gemara is going to, on the Ahmed Bey's question this right away, what the example that we're about to give now, when it says, Ha'omer lechaveiro, the person says to his friend, Mudreni mimcho, or mimoch, Mudreni mimcho, is that I am uh, putting a uh, restriction on you, which could either mean you are not able to partake from mine, or I'm not partake from yours. Mufresheni mimcha, I am separating myself from you. Muruchkeni mimcha, I am distancing myself from you. The Gemara is going to explain these are binding lishonos, but they are yados. These are partial expressions. That's all you said. You never mentioned specifically the, the concept of carbon. You never mentioned specifically the lotion, the actual lotion of, of neder. And it's not, there's not even a kinoy of a neder, but there's enough here that we understand that you are trying to make a neder. And therefore, it is binding as a neder. Now, the, 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 the cases that were given is you said to your friend, Mudreni mimcha, Mufresheni mimcha, Mufresheni mimcha. The next piece of the Mishnah, the, it says, Shani ochalach, that which I will eat of yours. Shani tomlach, that which I will taste of yours. Those two lashonos attach themselves, that's what you said, either to Mudreni mimcha, Shani ochalach, means the next two expressions, Shani Ochalach, Shani Tomlach, need to be together with one of the three of the opening expressions, when you put those together, Asur, it is Asur, it is binding, but again, it is binding as a Yad. And the one is going to question, you started discussing the concept of Kinuyim, and now uh, you turned around and gave expla- examples of a Yad, why are you giving there was no mention of Yados at all we started talking about Kinuyim and now you're switching to Yados and we'll discuss this in the Gemara now Menuda Aniloch if you use the Lashon of Menuda now the word Nidu usually is excommunication so Menuda Aniloch Rabbi Akiva Hayachochach Bezel Hachmir Rabbi Akiva questioned this it wasn't so clear is it a Lashon of Neder or is it a Lashon of Cherem what exactly is the Lashon of Nidu are you putting an excommunication here is it a Lashon of Neder but nevertheless Rabbi Akiva Hayachochach means that, uh, a couple of shots of me and they're showing him so Lashon of Chochach means to scratch like you scratch your head like you 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 you, you you're not sure about it you weren't you're not clear with it that's one shot Ochocha can come from the word Chech as a palate means it was more palatable to Rabbi Akiva either because he was scratching his head didn't know what to do with it or he was not it was more palatable to say Lahachme to go stringent and deal with it as a binding nether but it wasn't clear 100% that that was the intent but nevertheless Rabbi Akiva went, uh, uh, the, took the stringent path and said we're going to make it binding like a nether because there's a possibility that that was the intent of the individual and we'll discuss this later on in the Gemara. Okay, so that is the end of the Mishnah. Let's now start reassessing and explaining the different parts of the Mishnah. So we'll start with the first, the opening statement. It's called Kinu Nadarim Kinadarim. That the Kinuyim of Nadarim, the formulated or substitute languages of Nadarim, have the full binding effect of Nadarim as well. What the Gemara wants to know is that Mesechus Nazir, which again, Nazir is also a verbal declaration that creates a binding impact. 
also starts off that Kinui Nazirus is like Nazirus. A Kinui, a formulated uh, a substitute language of, of Nazirus is binding like a Nazirus. But what's interesting is that whereas in Maseches Nazir, that's all it discussed. It just, it starts off the opening mission, it's called Kinu Nazirus Kinazirus, it gives examples of what a Kinu of Nazirus is, but there was no mention of Kinu Nadorim, there's no mention of Kinu Shvuas, no mention of Kinu Haramim. All it discusses is Kinu Nazirus. And the Gemara wants to know why when we learn Maseches Nadorim, doesn't it do the same thing? It's like Kinu Nadorim Kinadorim. Why are you bringing in all the different other types of Kinuyim, whereas in Nazirus, in Nazir, only focuses on Nazir, it doesn't focus on all of the other categories. That's the Gemara's question. So call Kinu Nadorim Kinadorim, what's the difference? That when it comes to Nazir, he doesn't mention all of the different uh, categories. It does mention all of them. So the Gemara answers as follows: Is that Mishum the Neder Hadadi? That the the prohibition of a Neder and the prohibition of a Shvuah are written together in the Pasuk. They're brought down together in the same Pasuk in the Torah. That uh, the Pasuk says. Uh, uh, Wait, wait, the, 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 there's, the Pasuk is mentioned, uh, where is it? Uh, the Pasuk, I'll just quote the Pasuk to you. Um, there's a place. Ki Yidor, alright, Duran brings it down. Ki Yidor Neder La Hashem, Oh Hishava Shavuah. So since in the Torah it mentions the Dorim associated together with Shavuos, so therefore the Tana felt that it's important if you mention the Dorim, you should also mention Shavuos. Now once you mention the two of those already, the Dorim and Shavuos, he says, you know what, let's just throw in the other two as well. Let's throw in Chadramin, let's throw in Nazirus. That's what compelled the Tana to mention all the categories. Whereas, Unlike by Nazir, there was no compelling reason to mention anything else other than Nazir. So the Tana limited it in the Mishnah and Nazirus only to the Kinui of Nazirus. is like Nazirus did not feel it necessary to mention the other ones. So that is the answer the Gemara's give. So Gemara says, Mishum the Adari, since they're written together in the Pasuk, Tani Tartin, the Tana felt compelled to write those two. The cave and the Tani Tartin, once he wrote those two, Tani Gulu wrote all of them as well. Now they're going to ask the obvious questions. If, if the way it works is you have to write Nadorim, because uh, we're learning Nadorim, and once you wrote Nadorim, you felt compelled to write Shvuz, and once you wrote Shvuz, you felt compelled to add uh, Haramim and Nazirus. Then in why in the order of our Mishnah is it not broken down that way? In our Mishnah, we start talking about Nadorim, then we go to Haramim, and uh, and then only then we go to Shvuas. Lechora should not Shvuas have been next to Nadarim if the reason what compelled you to bring Shvuas was because of Nadarim. She said Nadarim and Shvuas, and then I should have only mentioned Charamim. Why is it uh, put Charamim between Nadarim and Shvuas? That's the Gemara's question. The Gemara says as follows: that uh, so then litany. Why don't we teach Nadarim? That the Kinuim Ashwur should be mentioned immediately after Nadarim. That's what Nadarim would compel you to bring it. So the Gemara now says a, a, a critical, critical statement in understanding the difference between Nadarim and Shavuos. And this actually became, conceptually, 
one of the concepts that really uh, you, you, you can't go into any yeshiva and yet I stickle Torah at some point without this concept being brought into account. The briskas made it very famous. The concept of Isr Chefza and Isr Gavra. And in a nutshell, basically we're going to say the following. When a person makes a neder, the way it works is the Isr is generated from the item. The item, the chafetz, it's an iser chafetz. The loaf of bread becomes usher to me. So it's the loaf of bread actually becomes usher. Whereas when a person makes a shvua, it's the activity. I, I am, it's the gavra. The person is usher to eat the loaf of bread. The iser is not generated by the loaf. The iser is really on the person not to eat the loaf. So there's a difference, and it has tremendous halachic differences, and now we're going to see throughout the Masechta, but the difference is that whereas neder is an ister chefza, it's on the item itself, and the formulation of how you say it makes a big difference. The object is oster on me, whereas a shvua is I am prohibited from eating the object. The iser is not on the object, the iser is on the activity of the person, it's generated from the person himself, cannot eat the object. And therefore, since there is that discre- the, the, a distinction between a neder and a shvua, whereas haramim, a cherem, is aligns itself with the notion of a neder. When you make a cherem, you use the notion of a charme iser, Right, uh, like Charmei Hegdish, by the way, the item itself becomes Osir, since the item is a, chet, is a Chetzer, so the Tana says, I'm going to have to write Nadorim, and I'm going to have to Shavuos, and because of that, I'm also going to say Charamim, but I want to categorize and classify Nadorim with Charamim together, because they are the same type of Isser, they're both as Isser Chetzer, on the object, and only then I'll mention Shavuos, which is an Isser Gavra. By the way, the last one, which is Nazirus, is subject to discussion, is when you make a, a, a Nazir, a person who's a Nazir, that would seem to be, that would also then fall under an Isser Gavra on the person and not on the item itself, if we're going to follow through, that that's how the Mishnah was classified. But let's see it inside. But that's already a discussion concerning how Nazirus works. So I need a ton of Nadorim. Since we're discussing with Nadorim, the Mitzah Chetzaleh, that the object becomes also on the person, Tanan Amicharamim, therefore the Tana felt obligated to, and he's going to mention Charamani, he wanted to classify Nadorim next to Charamim, because also the Mitzah Chetzaleh, that the object by a Cherim becomes uh, also like by a Nedr. Lafuket, to the exclusion of Shvua, to the exclusion of Shvua, to Ka'asr Nazem because by Shvua it's the object that becomes, uh, the person becomes also to the object, not the, per, the object itself, but the activity uh, is also on the, on the person. I can't eat that item as opposed to the item is also on me. So that is why put Charame, which is more similar to Nadarim, first, and then only mention Shvuz. Now the Gemara asks, to circles back to the original question we mentioned when we learned the Mishnah. Pasach the Kinuyim. The initial opening of the Mishnah talks about Kinuyim, Kinuyim of Dorim, Charamim, Shavuos, Nazirus, right? Kol Kinuyim of Dorim, Umefarev, but the examples that are at the end of the Mishnah are Yodos, are giving examples of a Yad, Mudrenim Imcha, Mufashenim Imcha, those expressions that are said, we understand enough from what you said, Mudrenim Imcha, Shani Ochalach, Mufashenim Imcha, Shani Ochalach, Mufashenim Imcha, Shani Ochalach, we understand you're referring to a Neder because you've given us enough verbiage, but that's functioning as a Yad, it's not an Iker Neder, it's not a Kinui, so why are you introducing conceptually the main categories of Kinuyim, and then when you get into the details, you're giving me examples of Yodos. So therefore, let's read this inside. 
So again, pause of the kinuyim, kol kinudonim, umefaresh, but when you give the explanations of examples, ha'omer lechaveru mudranim imcha, right, is, uh, where's the place? Pause of the kinuyim, kol kinudonim, umefaresh, yados, right? And you give examples, ha'omer lechaveru mudranim imcha. So that's already one question. Why are you giving examples of yados if we did not mention yados in the Chor in the opening statement? Vesu, and furthermore, Assuming that you want to give explanations of Yados, so then why did you forget to mention in the opening category that just as Kinui Nadarim are like Nadarim, so you should have said that Yados Nadarim Kinadarim. Now that would have made it a little better. We understand why you're giving examples of, of Yados. But that would only have made sense if when you give me the main categories of, that you're saying that a kinu of a neder is like a neder, then you should not have forgotten to leave out that the yad of a neder is like a neder. Include that. And then we can at least understand why you're giving examples of yodos. So that's the most answer. So yodos in she. Did you forget to mention as a general category yodos? You're remembering that. You're giving examples of it. So why did you forget to introduce it in the beginning as, uh, as, 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 as a main category that Yadus and Dharma Laknadarim? Sumara says like this. Ari Bahon. Uh, is that actually we are, there was a mention, there was a discussion, meaning in the, in the verbal text of the, uh, the verbal makeup of the Mishnah, the Mishnah actually did mention the concept of, of Kinuyim, and it did mention the concept of Yados. However, Chisure Mechsura, there was a deletion of the text when it was recorded at some point, it got deleted and was left out, and therefore, Bahachikitani, this is the right way that the Mishnah should read. Call Kinuyim Nadarim Kinadarim, that the Kinuyim of Nadarim are like Nadarim, and Yodos, and the Kinuyim of Yodos, and, and the Yodos of Nadarim are considered like Nadarim, so therefore, it actually, so it answers the second question. It answers the question as, why did you forget to mention that Yodos are, are Nadarim are like Nadarim? It was mentioned, it was just deleted in the text, it was a deletion. So now, the Gemara's next question is important. Ra, the Ron explains that you're going to forget something. You don't usually forget the opening statement. So it makes more sense to say that what, where, where was it forgotten? The real text should have been Kinu Nadarim Kinadarim. It should have said Yadais Nadarim Kinadarim secondly. And that just the second thing was forgotten. They, they, they deleted that one by mistake. To say that they forgot the f- opening statement would not make sense to say that the, the name of the parak, Yavis Nadarim, was what? No, they, well, yeah, it does, at this point, we're assuming it doesn't make sense to say that. So what was forgotten is Yavis, the, the, the general category of Yavis Nadarim. So if that's true, and the real text stood as Kinu Nadarim like Nadarim, Yavis Nadarim are like uh, Nadarim, then why is it that the first thing that's explained is Yados. Wouldn't it make sense that just as in the opening statement of the general categories, you first mention Kinduyim and then you mention Yados. So therefore, in the explanation of what is the Kinu Nadarim and what are Yados Nadarim, you would assume that Yados Nadarim should come after Kinu Nadarim. Now, we are going to mention later on in the next Mishnahs what exactly is a Kinu of a Nadarim. But the point is asking, why are you first explaining Yados Nadarim before Kinu Nadarim? If you mention Kinu Nadarim before Yados Nadarim in the opening statement, then in the 
explanation of what each one is, you should first also mention Kinu Nedarim first, and only then Yadus Nedarim. And that's the Gemara's question. So Lefaresh Kinuyan Beresha, why don't we explain the Kinuyim first? So Gemara says it's a pedagogic tool. When the Tana teaches, he says two main categories, A, B, the way he explains the students, it makes it more pedagogically sound for them and the ability for their member, he first explains B before he goes back to A. So even though you teach primary categories A, B, but when you explain it, you go B, A. That's what the Gemara is going to say. Whatever you just left off from, which was uh, B, so then Ahum that's what you explain first. So therefore, even though Kinuyma first and then Yodos, but when you explain it, you first explain the Yodos and then you explain the Kinuyim. And the Gemara says that we have support that that's how the Tanoyim pedagogically, that's how they explain their Mishnayas. Get a snan, we learned in a Mishnah. What fuels can be used? What wicks, what oils can be used to light with? What can you use? What you're not allowed to use? And what if it start right away explaining? Do not use. So you see, A was what can you use? B was what can't you use? And the first thing that's explained is B, what can't you use? So you see, A, B, B, A. What can you insulate with on Shabbos? What aren't you allowed to insulate with on Shabbos? And right away, explain, ain't Tomlin. Again, A, B, B, A. What is a woman allowed to wear in a public domain on Shabbos that's not considered to be a problem of carrying or she might, right, what is it considered to be permitted for her to carry with and what she can't? And what is a ghost? She's not allowed to go out with. So again, A, B, B, A. So therefore, that's, that's what we're saying. That's the concept. Is that true? Whatever the initial statement of... Uh, uh, whatever the initial statement is not usually explained first. So the Gemara questions this notion. You're telling me that whatever the opening statement is not usually what is explained first. But now we see that the Gemara is, that deviates, the, the Mishnah deviates from that over here. We learned in the Sefer Baba Basra, it talks about there are certain people that inherit and there are certain people that bequeath. Inherit and bequeath, for example, the son inherits the, the father, the father bequeaths the son. The son dies without children, then the son is inherited by the father, so the son can bequeath the father. So certain relationships both inherit and bequeath. For example, by the mother, the son will inherit the mother, Right? But the son will not bequeath to the mother. The mother cannot inherit the son. So it says that Yesh Nochlin Manchilin, there are certain relationships where the person both inherits and bequeaths. Nochlin, certain relationships, Nochlin, they only inherit, they do not bequeath. But Eilu Nochlin Manchilin, the first thing explained over there is those that inherit and bequeath. So you went A, B, and you went A, B. You didn't go A, B, B, A. And again, Yesh Mutaraz Labalem, Basuz the Avmeyan, Mutaraz Ibn Basuz the Baalem. There's certain relationships by the case of Yibum, where the woman is muttered to the husband, when he dies, she's ushered to the Yavum. For example, a woman married a Kohen. The Kohen died, his brother's the Kohen Godel. So she's muttered to the husband, she's ushered to the Yavum. Or, for example, let's say the woman was an Almona. She had married before and she, and, and she married the Kohen Gadol. She was also to the Kohen Gadol. She married him, but he dies. She would be mutter to his brother. So you have Yesh, Mutaraz Lebalein, also to, they're mutter to the husband, but also to the Yavam, or Mutaraz Lebalein, or they're also to the, uh, they're also to the, uh, they're also to the husband, but they're mutter to the And what does it explain first? The Eilim, Mutaraz Lebalein, Basuz Yavnein. The first category is explained first. It gives the example of what was mutter to the husband and also to the Yavam. Again, you went A, B, and you explained A first. 
Yeish to shemen. Certain flower offerings require oil and avona and frankincense. Shemen lolavona. Certain require only oil and not frankincense. Ve'elu to shemen of lavona. And then right away it goes back to the first one, A, B, and it goes A, B, not B, A. So there, and, and similarly, Yesh Tehunas Hagasha, one of the certain Korbanas require an activity called Hagasha, where you approach the southeast corner of the base of Migdash with the offering, so some of them required Hagasha, and did not acquire waving, where the corner put his hands under the hands of the owner, and they would wave the item. So some need Hagasha, not Tnufa. Some need Tnufa, below Hagasha. Hagasha. And then it goes right away, it says, these are the ones that need Hagasha, so that goes, explains, goes back to A, what needs Hagasha, not Tnufa. Similarly, there's two types of Bechot, there's a Bechor that inherits the tw- two, twice to the, the, the amount of his brothers. He gets an extra portion. That's the Bechor to the father. It's the father's for his child. But he's not necessarily a Bechor for Pidyan Aben. In order to be a Bechor for Pidyan Aben, he has to be, be the firstborn of the mother. So let's say the mother had children with another man, and then she married the husband. So he, the husband has never had children. So that child is a Bechor for inheritance. He gets Bishnaim or the inheritance, but he does not get Pidyan Aben because it's not Petzarechim. The mother had children from before. So Yesh Bechor Lenach, Lein Bechor Lekoen. Or you could have Bechor Lekoen. It says the mother's first child, so he gets a Pidyan Aben, but Ein Bechor Lenach, but it's not the father's first child. The father had children with another woman. So in such a case, right? So what? And the Eizu bechor lenachla. So therefore, Ein bechor lenachla. The Eizu bechor lenachla. And the Ein bechor lekohen. The first thing that explains is what's the bechor for for inheritance, but not bechor for kohen. Again, you go back to A as opposed to the last thing it discussed. So the Gemara wants to know that if you have such a cut and dry rule pedagogically that when you go A B, you first explain B and then A, which is the way you're explaining over here. Was it was nadarim? Then uh, it was uh, kinuyim? Then yados? Why explain yados first? Because you go A, B, B, A. We just gave a bunch of examples. that you don't go A, B, B, A, but you, there it goes A, B, A, B. Says the Gemara, fascinating answer, is that if you look at all the cases we asked from, and actually the ones, the cases we had weren't just an A, B. It was an A, B, C, D. There was, it was a complex Mishnah. It wasn't just contrasting two cases. There were multiple cases in the Mishnah. It was three or four cases that were mentioned over there. So what the Gemara wants to say, again, pedagogically, when you only have two cases, the best way for the students to learn is you go A, B, B, A, such as in our Mishnah. Right? That's when you're going to explain it that. But if you have complex cases, we have multiple comparisons being made. So in such a case, there it does not make sense to go... A, B, C, D, and then go start with D, then you go back to A, that makes it easier to remember. So the difference is this, we're still sticking with our guns, is that it's only two cases being contrasted, then you go A, B, B, A. But if you have multiple cases, a complex, it's a complex missional, and the, that you're comparing the different cases to contrasting two, then you need to go, when there's multiple things, you've got to go back to the original one. And that's what we're answering. So Mora says like this, that me Halain, those cases you asked from that Yesh Nochlin and Yesh Wutaros Labaleya and all those cases, Mishum de Avshulay, because there's multiple cases being contrasted. When there's multiple cases being contrasted, so then, uh, so therefore, we explain specifically the opening one first, that actually is easier to follow than to start with the last one first. That's what I was asking. Fred the Gomorrah, but it doesn't really work all the case, in all cases. There's a Mishnah that talks about an animal. What is an animal allowed to go out with on Shabbos? 
is what it's wearing considered to be like a garment, like something that is keeping the animal warm? It's always considered to be like a muscle, like a package. So, so there are certain things the animal's not allowed to work for you, but if it's something that's considered like a garment for the animal, it's allowed to go out on Shabbos with. Something like it's carrying something for you, it's not allowed to go. So again, it starts off, what is the animal allowed to go out with, and what's not allowed to go out with. And that's not a compound, it's a simple mission. The two things have been contrasted, nothing else. A, B. And what does it say? It says over there, it says, the law of it's not a multiple compound Mishnah. The Ketani Gamal, the first thing it explains is the camel is allowed to go out in the following way, which is a case of an AB, AB, which is not a, and so therefore that your, your theory has been shot down. So the one says, you're right. There's no real cut and dry rule over here. That the Tana himself, based on knowing the students, based on his own uh, predispositions, if he wants to, sometimes he'll explain the last thing first, sometimes he'll explain the first thing first. There's no cut and dry. So then why Mishnah, why did it happen? Because that's the Tana, that's how he felt like going. He felt like A, B, B, A, that's the right way to go. But sometimes he'll go A, B, A, B, and doesn't have to be multiple cases in order to make that distinction. We said it really is all up to the Tana to determine what he feels is the best thing to explain. It's not, it's, he has the right to do either way, and it's not, you can't ask Akasha one way or the other. Gentlemen, we'll stop over here.